going to read from Matthew chapter 9. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil things in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. We start off, and, and if you uh, have not been with us as we've been working our way through the book of Matthew, this is a weird place to start, right? Because it just starts with, and getting into a boat. And I would never start a story that way and getting into a boat. Something has already been happening, right? We don't, uh, that's why we have the word and there. And he's getting into a boat. Jesus is the one that we're talking about here. He's getting into a boat, and he's crossing over the Sea of Galilee, which is, um, depending on your definition, a small sea or a large lake. And uh, so Jesus is getting into a boat, and he is crossing back over again to the other side to his own city. And if you've been here, you're going, is this all Jesus does? Like he just is on one side and then he crosses over to the other side and then he just crosses back over because that's what's been happening. And Matthew has been uh, using this sort of as a way of of, um, helping us see different scenes, different things that are happening. So Jesus is on one side of the lake, and he is uh, teaching there, and he is healing people there, and many miracles are happening. People are bringing uh, a variety of people to Jesus, and he is uh, healing them. And then he decides he's going to leave there, and so he gets in the boat. And as he's crossing over, you may remember that as he's crossing from one place, one side, his sort of hometown, to the other side, which is the foreigner's place, as he's crossing over, he runs into a storm, right? And as he's in this storm, the the disciples despair because Jesus is asleep and the storm is raging. And while all of this is happening, they wake him up and and they said, Jesus, we are dying now. You got to do something. And he gets up and he does something, which completely shocks them because though they asked him to do that, they weren't expecting him to actually do it. But he does. He wakes up. He stands up. He says, everybody knock it off. Be quiet. And the, the waves and the sea calm down. And they are amazed. And he gets then to the other side. And at the other side of the lake, the far side of the lake, he encounters two demoniacs who are living in the tombs there. And they are so violent that no one can go by that direction. And Jesus um, doesn't even like in, engage with them really. They just are, are engaging with him and saying, what are you doing here? Why are you here? What, what are you doing? Um, and if you want to send us out of these men, would you uh, send us you know, over to those pigs? And so Jesus says, go. And then they did. And the townspeople come out and they hear about how uh, these two demoniacs have been freed from uh, the, the demons, but that the pigs have all died and they are terrified of Jesus and they say, just get out of here. 
You, you go. And so now Jesus is crossed back over again. Okay, so now you're caught up. That's been sort of the back and forth across the sea. Some of the things that have been happening. Jesus was healing. Then he had authority over the storm. Then he had authority over the demons. And now we are back on this side, the home side of the Lake of Galilee. So getting into a boat, he crossed over and he came to his own city. And behold... Some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Now, the last time Jesus was on this side of the lake, they, did all kind, they were bringing all kinds of people to him. All kinds of people that needed to be healed were being brought to Jesus. And so, oh, I guess that's what we do on this side of the lake, right? That's, that's what, what's going on here. So Jesus comes back, and okay, now we've got this is happening where they're bringing in the, the uh, paralytic some friends of his, I, I suppose, are carrying him in. It was some people that just brought in a paralytic, and he's lying on a bed. Okay? They, they want to be clear that, that he had friends that came to help him there because this guy was not able to walk. He was a, a paralytic. He was lying on a bed, and they carried the whole bed. This guy, maybe it's a small cot or something, but they bring the whole thing, and they bring him right, boom, right there before Jesus. And you might remember from last week that Matthew likes to use this, and behold, over and over again, right? As a sort of, and surprise, guess what's about to happen now? And so as you say, and behold, look, pay attention, and behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. We go, ah, I know what happens now. I know what happens now. They brought a paralytic. Watch. You might even be, you, you've been reading through this, but somebody is just joining you and go, oh, watch, watch, I know what's going to happen. Jesus is going to heal this guy. That's what's about to happen. It's going to be a, a total surprise, but I know what's going to happen. You, Jesus is going to heal this guy. He's going to get up and he's going to start walking and everybody's going to be amazed. Watch, watch, pay attention, pay attention to this, watch. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And you're like, see, I told you, I, what? Wait, what just happened here? The take heart, my son part, that I get, right? Jesus is, is compassionate. He's a compassionate guy. And when they, you come and this guy obviously has issues, he's obviously got this trouble in his life, and, and Jesus says, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Have you ever had a friend that did that for you before, where you're just like, you're in a predicament, and you don't know what to do, and you have somebody just come alongside you and put their arm around you? It's, it's going to be okay. We don't usually say take heart anymore. Right? It would sound a little bit weird to us. But, but we do have people go, it, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. You're going to be all right. And that's what Jesus' response. Here comes this paralytic. He's put down right here in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, take heart, my son. Take heart. And then he uses a, a familial term, this, this term of, of endearment. Like, Jesus already loves this guy. Jesus already loves this guy. He, he sees him there, and he, oh, I just, I feel for you, man. Like, like you're my own son. I just, take heart. I, it's going to be okay. Take heart. Your sins 
are forgiven. Now, wait, what's going on here? What, what, is, what are sins? Kids, what are sins? Any, any one of people out there? Oh, you're going to be shy on me. Okay, going against God, good. I think, I think that the Iwana definition is anything we say, think, or do that goes against that, that, right, that goes against, that breaks God's laws, right? So, so I was hoping that the kids would just very impress you, but they were shy this morning. That's okay. They impressed me anyway. So the, the Awana definition is uh, anything that we say, think, or do that breaks God's laws. Anything that we say, that we think, or that we do that breaks God's laws. In, in terms of Matthew, it's going against God's authority, rebelling against God's authority, or rejecting God's authority. Whether defiantly, God, I want to have nothing to do with you. You have no authority in my life. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Or unintentionally, God has said, this is what you will do, and I didn't mean to, but I broke the law, and I did what I shouldn't have done. So whether intentionally or, and defiantly or unintentionally, it is rejecting God's authority. That's what sin is. And here comes this guy, this paralytic, and I, I think that, I don't think that these guys were dragging this paralytic in on his bed so that Jesus could forgive his sins. I don't think that's what they were up to. I think they were going, hey, Jesus is here. He's been healing all kinds of people. Last time he was in town, which was just a few days ago, but last time he was in town, he was healing all kinds of people, and we thought we'd missed it, but he's back in town. And they grabbed the paralytic, and they're like, get on your bed, let's go. You're going to be walking this afternoon. And they bring him to Jesus, and they put him down, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now, now everybody has a sin problem. Everybody has a sin problem. Everybody has rejected God's authority in their life. At one time or another, you have said, no, God, I'm going to do it my way. I don't believe you. I don't, I don't think that uh, your way is right for me right now, and I'm just going to do it my way. I was thinking about it, I was going, what? when is the first time that sin is mentioned in the Bible? I mean, obviously, the first time that there is sin, we see that with Adam and Eve and the apple, and everybody knows that story. But when's the first time that sin is actually mentioned in the Bible? And I came across this in Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 5, it says, But for Cain and his offering... God had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. Cain and his brother Abel had each brought an offering before the Lord, and the Lord received Abel's offering, and we don't know exactly why, but for some reason, he didn't receive Cain's offering. He wasn't pleased with Cain's offering. 
and Cain saw the way that his brother Abel had found favor with God and how he hadn't found favor with God, and he was just mad. Like, uh, you're always the favorite sibling. Mom and dad always like you better. That kind of mad. And God says to him, what, Cain, why are, you, why are you angry? If you do well, you will be accepted. But, but sin is crouching at the door. It is waiting right there to grab hold of you and master you. But you must wrestle it and you must master it. You must not let that sin take over you. Because sin is always there threatening to do that very thing to us. When we reject God's authority, we think that we will then be autonomous and we can do whatever we want. But the reality is when we reject God's authority and we give in to sin, then the sin is getting authority over us. We are giving it authority. And it wants to master us. So all of us have this issue where we are rejecting God's authority, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways. And when we do, if we are not careful, that sin is just going to grab hold of us and its desire is to master us. Its desire is to destroy us. And here comes this paralytic. And Jesus looks at him and says, I have compassion on you. Take heart. Take heart. Because your sins are forgiven. Now, there are some who speculate and say, I wonder if because this paralytic came to Jesus and Jesus forgives his sins, if he was a paralytic because of his sin. That is to say, he had done something sinful, and so God had punished him by making him a paralytic because of his sin. I don't have any reason to believe that that's the case. The Bible doesn't tell us that that's the case. I don't have any reason to think that, but I bet that's not the only time anybody's ever thought that. I bet that that paralytic had heard that over and over and over and over and over again. You know, if you would just repent of your sin, maybe you wouldn't be a paralytic. You must have done something really awful that God would make you a paralytic. I read a book several years ago by Johnny Erickson Tata, called A Place of Healing. And in that book, she talks about how many times she had the experience of somebody telling her, you know, if you just had enough faith, maybe God would heal you. If you just pray hard enough, if you just believe hard enough, then maybe God would heal you. In fact, I think that since the, you're still a paralytic you must not have enough faith. And I think that this paralytic had probably heard those same things over and over again. So that he was thinking it in his own mind. God has rejected me. 
I am not worthy of God. I don't know that I'm worthy of anything for anyone. I'm a reject, and I'm being told that over and over again. It's because of your sin. It's because of your sin. It's because of your sin. That's why you can't walk. And yet, some people take pity on him and bring them to Jesus because they think there is hope here. We have seen Jesus do amazing things. Maybe he could do something here too. And Jesus, looking at this man, says, I have compassion on you. Take heart because your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. It's like uh, th this word forgiven, we, we use it a lot, but we don't really think about what it means. It's, it's like they've, they've been released. They've been dismissed. They've been dismissed. Like Jesus is, is saying, oh, sins, you may go. You may go. I, I know you were grabbing onto him. You were wanting to master him, wrestle him to the ground, but uh, you may go. You have been dismissed. Or like charges that have been brought against somebody, accusations that have been brought against somebody, and you find that, oh, they don't hold any water here, and so they have been dismissed. And what Jesus is telling to this man as he's brought here is, take heart, my son, because your sins, all of those things that you say, think, and do that are against God's laws and have rejected God's authority, all of those things that you have done are all dismissed. Your sins are forgiven. Now, I think that probably his friends were standing there going, huh. Okay. Not what we were expecting. Not what we were expecting. Not, not even necessarily... Am I disappointed? There are times when we, in our brokenness, there's something wrong in our life, and we go to God, and we say, God, I have this problem, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Thanks? I think... I mean, on the one hand, it seems like, well, that's not why I came. Because I had this problem, and you forgave my sins instead. And at the same time, that's awesome. Like, this was the problem that I had brought to God, and then he told me my sins were forgiven, and I went, oh, well... That wasn't the problem that I had brought, but I'm pretty happy to have that dealt with. Like, if you went to a doctor and you said, hey, I rolled my ankle, can you help me? And he said, oh, I've forgiven your mortgage, it's paid. I suppose I can hobble. Like, that wasn't what I was expecting at all. 
but maybe you have the ability to pay that mortgage, and that's gone, and if I had to pick between the two, yeah, okay, let's forgive that debt. When, when we get entangled in sin that wants to master us, wants to control us, then to be in a place where someone can say, your sins are dismissed, they are removed, they are forgiven, then suddenly we can go, oh, that feels better. You know, when you have a, a, a pain or a weight or a stress that's just been hanging on for a long time so that you're not even aware anymore that it's there, you're not even aware of the toll that it's taking on you day after day, and then suddenly that's removed, and you go, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even realize how much I was being encumbered by this thing. That's what's happening here with this sin. The sin is being removed. Jesus is saying, no longer are you inhibited by that. I know it feels like you are being encumbered by your inability to walk, but it is the sin that's really a problem. Take heart. You are freed from sin. The sins have been dismissed. You are now acceptable and worthy of God's love. People have been telling you that you are a reject and that God shouldn't love you. You don't deserve to have God's love because of the sins in your past. And what I'm telling you now is take heart because your sins are forgiven. You are worthy of God's love. God does love you. He has dealt with your sin. And behold, verse 3, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. At this point, do we have any idea what's going on? Right? This paralytic gets brought to Jesus, presumably to be healed. Instead, Jesus forgives his sins. And now the, the, the scribes are looking at this going, wait a second. You can't do that. You're blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. How can you say? How can you say his sins are forgiven? You don't have the authority to do that. Those of you who have been reading with me as we've been uh, reading through the Old Testament in a year that we're working on that, it's only, what is this now, March? The beginning of March, so we're not that far in. We just got to Deuteronomy, which, which means you've read Genesis, then you read Exodus where uh, Moses starts giving the instructions to the people, and then Leviticus, which is instructions to the people, and then Numbers, which is a rehearsing of the instructions to the people, and then you get to Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law, which is going to be more instructions to the people. And all of these instructions to the people are, when you are God's people and you're living in God's land, the things that you are to do are these. And when you don't do them, you are going to have to make sacrifices to atone for your sins. 
You're going to have to uh, sacrifice the bulls. You're going to have to sacrifice the lambs. You're going to have to do all of it. You're going to have to celebrate the day of atonement. You're going to have to celebrate the Passover so that we over and over again, when there is sin, whether it is intentional and defiant or unintentional, there will have to be these sacrifices to deal with the sin. And the scribes then hear Jesus go, your sins are forgiven. And they're going, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Time out. Jesus, that's not how this works. He has to go to the priest and he has to bring a sacrifice and then he has to do the ritual cleansing before his sins can be forgiven. You can't just dismiss the sins. You can't do that. There have to be sacrifices, atonements for those sins. And only God has the authority to uh, forgive sin. In Daniel chapter 9, To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Who can forgive sins? Only God. Why can only God forgive sins? Because sin is anything we say or think or do that breaks God's laws. So if God has the authority over us to give us these laws, then the only one who can forgive us if we break those laws is God. Jesus, what are you doing? It was nice when you were, you know, healing people before and the leper taking away his leprosy and you were doing all those things. That was great. But you stepped across a line now, Jesus. This is blasphemy. Because only God can forgive sins. And if you're saying that you forgive his sins, you're saying you're God. You are equating yourself with God. That is blasphemy. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, verse 4, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil things in your hearts? Why, why do you think this? You're accusing me of blasphemy, and I'm saying, why do you not know who I am yet? Have you not seen all that I have done? Have you not seen how I have had authority over all of the physical illnesses so that I could restore people to physical health? Have you not seen the way that I had control, authority over the natural world with the wind and the waves and the storm? Have you not seen the way that I have authority over the spiritual realm and dismissing the demons? How then do you not believe that I also have the authority to dismiss the sins and say, go. Why do you think such evil things in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? Oh, can you see what he's doing? He's setting them up. Which is easier? For me to stand here and say your sins are forgiven 
or if I were to tell this guy, get up and walk. And now I've seen people tie themselves in knots to try and decide which of these two things is easier. Is it easier to forgive sins? Because only God can do that. But, it, but also, anybody could just say it. You can't verify whether or not it's true. So I suppose it would be easier to say that uh, your sins are forgiven. But then to, to heal this guy, to make, tell him to get up and walk, I, we would be able to see right away whether or not that's true. So that would be harder. But also, only God can forgive sins. So... Which is it? And I, I, if I were to do an equivalent, I, I would say, which is easier, to bench press an elephant or to bench press a bus? Now, the world record for bench press right now, as of December of last year, is 1,125 pounds. That is an amazing bench press, can I just say. I'm glad I looked it up. An elephant weighs somewhere between six and 15,000 pounds. I didn't even bother to look up how much a bus weighs. Which is easier, to bench press a bus or to bench press an elephant? Well, the elephant probably weighs a little bit less, but it moves and is a little bit bulky and not even in its weight, and the bus would be more even in the weight distribution, so what are we talking about? Can anyone bench press an elephant? Can anyone bench press a bus? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Which is easier? No one can do either of those things. These are both impossible things. Are they? Jesus says. Are they impossible things? If the one forgiving sins is impossible because only God can do it, and the other is impossible because only God can do it, watch this. I wish I knew. Matthew writes this in verse 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic. I don't know if Jesus said that to the scribes or if, he's, or if Matthew writes it to us. I'm not sure. I know for sure the next thing that happened is Jesus said, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Did Jesus in between go, but scribes, watch this? Or is Matthew just to us, the readers, going, hey guys, watch this? So that you will know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to do the impossible. The impossible that can be verified right in front of your very eyes. Here's a paralytic that can't walk, and I'm about to tell him to walk so that you will know that I also had authority to forgive his sins. 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he went home. And as I was reading this, I I just thought of... uh, Matthew chapter 6, in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus is is explaining uh, how it is that we should pray, and he says, in that part, he says, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that you may know That the Son of Man, that Jesus himself has authority to forgive sins, not only when he's in heaven, but also while here on earth, he does this. And this is the nature of our prayer. God, would your will be done in heaven, uh, would your will be done on earth in the same way that it is done in heaven? We want to see people walk in your ways, that they would follow your laws, that they would submit to your authority, and that when they don't, that you would forgive them their sins. And Jesus is bringing that. He's uh, bringing that heavenly authority right down to earth. To restore a broken man. A man who had felt rejected because of his sin and rejected because of his physical state. And Jesus repairs, restores his spiritual state and then restores his physical state so that he might be a testimony to all that are watching. Evidence of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowds saw it, verse 8, they were afraid. Why are they afraid? Why are they afraid? What is the deal with all this fear? The disciples are on the boat and they're afraid in the storm. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? I'll take care of the storm. And Jesus takes care of the demoniacs, gets rid of the the demons, and the townspeople are afraid. Get out of here, Jesus. We don't want you here. And then Jesus heals this guy and forgives his sin. And the people are afraid afraid. Why? When you see Jesus heal, when you see Jesus calm the storm, you just think, wouldn't that be cool? And so I had to sit and reflect on that for a while and go, okay, why are they afraid? What does it feel like when I'm afraid? That feeling where your your heart starts pumping, it starts racing, and thumping in your chest. That, that feeling of, of uh, that really big breath 
where you're trying to get enough air and it feels like you're running out of air even though you've just taken a really big breath. That feeling of, of you're right at the top of the roller coaster ride and then you drop suddenly and you're just, your whole body reacts. <gasps> or you're standing, I've been in a place where you're standing at the, the ocean and the, there's a rocky shore and the storm is raging and the you're standing up, right? I, I, it's not like I was down on the beach and the waves were coming in, but you're standing there and the waves are breaking on the rocky shore. And you're just watching the waves come up and the wind is blowing and you're going, I'm not sure this is a safe place for me to be right now. Or as you're walking along and there's a steep embankment that goes down and you're... <sighs> okay, the... Yep, this path seems to be solid. This bridge seems to be solid. Or maybe you've been around a large animal, even, even like a horse, right? I've been around a big horse that I didn't know. Remain calm. Just be calm because the, the animals, they can sense when you're afraid. And so you, you stay calm. You're in charge here. <laughs> That's a big animal. What if it decides it doesn't want me right next to it? What if it suddenly just kicks me? Like, this is a big animal. This is a powerful animal. Even you're... you're <laughs> You're going to bench press 1,000 pounds. Do you know how many people you want hanging on to that weight just in case you drop it? There is a sense of fear around great power. Whether that great power is a large machine or a force of nature or an animal or the Son of God in flesh. And I think that when I don't understand their fear reaction, it's because I'm not thinking about the reality of the authority that they just witnessed. Your sins are forgiven. Who has the authority to do that? Who has the authority to look into my eyes and see into my soul and know in the depths of my heart the sin that is trying to master me? Who knows the depths of my shame? The things that I don't want anyone to know about. Who knows all of that stuff and can say, your sins are forgiven? I would be terrified if people were to find out all of those deep, dark things that I don't want anyone to know. And he seems to know. This man who can tell a paralytic to get up and walk, there is such power here, there is such authority here that they are afraid. They're afraid. Your sins are forgiven. What? Get up and go. <gasps> what kind of a man is this? 
that has this kind of authority. And they were afraid and they glorified God who had given authority to such men. Who had given such authority to men. Wow. Wow. Now has God given such authority to all men? No. This man is unique. This man is unique because he is God himself in flesh. And yet, as I read the scriptures and know this man and this God, I know his heart and desire is to say, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And so you and I are in this place where we get to share this message with other people. Take heart, your sins are forgiven. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God in flesh, who has the authority to forgive sins, and you accept his authority and his forgiveness, your sins too are forgiven. I don't have to caveat that. I don't have to have the authority to say your sins are forgiven, and then they are. But with full conviction and authority, I can bring the message knowing that very thing is true. When you believe in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. When you trust him to remove your sin, they're forgiven, man. They're forgiven. No, no caveats, no asterisks. It's done. Because Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. So how about you? If Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, what's your response going to be? <laughs> 